You're listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Hi, everybody. It is August 22nd, 2016, and we are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Hello, everybody. Burns, and we are broadcasting on Future Theater Live on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network from beautiful downtown Sulbury Village along the placid banks of Primrose Creek. Placid. Our producer is the wonderful Angel Espino. Say hello, Angel. Hello, Angel. Our guest tonight is uh, an author, Deborah J. East, and a podcaster. podcaster, Yes, she's on PSN Radio. She's on our network, and it's Deborah Jane East. So she'll be joining us in just about a half hour. In a half hour, that's right. And she always has the best notes from the underground. That's right. That's the name of her show. Notes from the underground. That is the name of the show. Yeah, that's exactly right right there. Yeah, that's it. And um, if you you may need to do a little homework on SoundCloud because I went looking and they don't list it. They don't list Deborah's show with all the other ones at PSN. Just saying. You have to go to the main page and it's really? there. It be there. But when you look at the list, you know, like for example, if you're on any show from PSN, if you go to SoundCloud and you and you listen to anybody's show, you have access to the PSN logo at the top and you can press on it and then there's a pull down of other shows, of other playlists. Right, right, right. right. And I don't believe it's in there. So, but if you go to the very main page, maybe it's, maybe I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, it's on the playlist. I'm looking at it right now. On the playlist. Well, I was. Remember, the thing is, uh, it's, uh, let me see, it's one, two, one, two, three, four, five, like, options down, five or six options down. Yeah. Maybe I didn't pull down far enough. Sort of my life. Yeah, I know. So how are you feeling? And tell me this, just before the show, you were saying you had an electrical fire in your house? We almost had an electrical fire. Well, actually, no, we didn't. Wow. Almost, we had. An I mean, what happened? Fire. What happened? Uh, well, there was a power surge um, Thursday night, and okay. the internet went down. Internet was down for four days, four or five days. It actually, just oh came no! Back. Yeah, it just came back on uh, on Saturday. Wow! And um, so wait, so were you without internet, or were you using your cell phone as a hotspot? Yeah, I was using my cell phone as a hotspot for a couple of days because I had no internet at the house. My Comcast yeah, went down. Yeah, I just found out about that kind of, so I was going to point it out to you <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know. Oh, believe me, I know. Okay, I know. So, the, every, so everybody, when your power goes out and your big old modem goes down, you can make your phone become your Wi-Fi. And you know what? I don't know why. Why isn't Wi-Fi just out there? Well, here's know? the other thing. We're paying here's for the ads. Other thing about using your phone as a hotspot. And this goes to, um, I really hate it when Angel Espino is right about something. <laughs> it's it rare but true. It destroys my day. Actually, yeah. Um, so what happened was uh, I, I actually used a telephone hot, a, a Wi-Fi hotspot to prove that one of Angel's theories was actually correct about why my Macintosh mini computer kept dropping off the Internet. And the reason was that there was something wrong, either on a software level or on a hardware level, I think probably a software level, with it is connection to the Apple airport. 
So <clears throat> I'm not positive about this there yet. Is, There's more research to be done well, before we so, declare a No, no, Nancy, he's right. Go ahead. Continue. When there is a fluctuation, <laughs> even a small one in the modem signal, and, and, and these signals do fluctuate a little bit, um, the computer simply drops offline. But it doesn't, and so my test was, could I get the same signal sitting right next to the computer on my iPhone? Sure enough, the Wi-Fi came up. So it's clearly not the modem. It's not the K. It's it's inside the computer. It is somewhere in that connection. So months later, I rejoice. I was right. Well, so here's what I did. So I used my phone as a hotspot. Sure enough, all my yeah. Bars but you're talking. Came up on- you're talking to Bill, and the reason he can't fix his Wi-Fi problem is because of the most amazing computer problem I think anybody on the planet could Wait, possibly so have. This. It's so, this. and that's where it's going. Well, no, it's not going there. It's not going there. So, so, so it happens. If we put out the I, word, I maybe somebody could. a hotspot using the same modem connection, same Wi-Fi, bingo. The computer comes up using it. So then I said, maybe it needs something until I do a permanent fix, something to trick that software switch into reading the Wi-Fi signal. And sure enough, I turn off my Wi-Fi, uh, my iPhone hotspot and go to the modem directly from this computer. Bingo, it comes up. So there's something in that soft switch. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing, but but okay. So let's explain the problem. Bill got a new Macintosh about a year ago, and uh, actually he got this very same Macintosh that Keith has, and it was basically because Keith loved this little mini. Right. Well, Bill got it, brought it home, and started pushing buttons, and it comes up with music when it comes when it starts up and says "Howdy, Howdy," you know. Howdy, doody. And it, yeah, and it's a real Mickey Mouse kind of walkthrough. And Bill did something. He sort of said something along the lines of, I don't want to think of a password right now. Something like, I'll do it later. And they let it, and, and, and the computer continued and, and came up. He has a password in there of some kind. He can't figure it out or find it. And we are getting to the point where, I mean, the machine is sort of like a dead weight because I can't get into it. I don't know his password. And so forth. And so I think we're going to have to take it into the, well, maybe so. to the I idiot bar. I think we are stuck in something like P equals NP. You know, it's one of those, the computer substituted a, a dummy password yes. for the one that I didn't put in. Right. And so now the question who, is, where do you find that yeah. password? And if Benjamin is listening, he might know, but somewhere in the Macintosh operating system, somewhere in the system files, in the library someplace, will be, okay, um, why, okay, PJ, yeah, reload, yeah, I was going to say, because I'm not doing chipmunk talk right now. Not, not, not this week, not this week. Normally, yeah. Um, so, and I lost my train right there, but it's something to do with the password. Anywho, uh, oh, someplace in the system will be the password list, and I can actually go into the. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a whole way of getting the password back. Um, I'm not sure how. I don't know yet. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so tell me, so what happened with Fire? Okay. Well, we're back to that. Okay. Cool. Um, so Thursday, I get home, no internet, nothing. I call Comcast to tell me, oh, it's going to be till midnight before the internet comes back. There's a power surge in your area, real bad power surge. I'm like, all right, no problem. Two in the morning, no internet. I call back and they're like, "Well, maybe your modem got fried or something." You know, we'll send we'll send a technician out this weekend. So I think nothing of it, right? Um, my house seemed okay; lights were you know normal. 
I get home on Friday night and I smell smoke. And the first thing that comes to mind was like, oh man, there's a power surge. Mm. And I, you know, I thought maybe my computer got fried. You know, when the power supply goes in the computer, smoke comes out of the back yep. of the computer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first thing I think. I was like, oh man, my computer got fried and there's smoke, you know, from the computer. Yeah. So I run to the computer room to, you know, open the door and I don't see any uh, smoke or anything, but I smell really, really heavy smoke in the room. Mm. And I look around and there's literally like a circle of like ash on the floor, like from a fire that, that burst it from a power surge, um, protector. Uh-huh. The protected wow. guy. Well, you saw the picture. You see the picture on the Facebook that I posted on my Facebook oh, page. Oh, okay. So Facebook, your angel page. Yeah, you go there and you'll see the actual power surge protector, all burnt, crisp black, really burnt. Uh, this thing caught fire. Now the crazy thing is that it caught fire right behind my TV, and, oh. and, and right next to my wall. So how the wall and the TV didn't catch fire and blow up, I have no idea. Well, your mom, your mom was watching out. Had to be my mother. That's the only yeah. thing I could think of. Somebody's looking out for me for the house because. And even when I showed it to like the the guy from FPO, when he came out, he's like, "And your house didn't burn down? My goodness, that's crazy!" Because mm-hmm. it was it looked like a big fire, and it had to have been a big fire because it was a, a big circle around you know the uh, the power surge protector, and it fried both protectors, uh, fried my microwave got messed up, my mother's uh, TV in the living room got messed up. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of things. I got. actually the worst part, Nancy. Oh my goodness, I'm saying it. The <gasps> the the, the, the <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty bad. The, That's the uh, tiles, and those tiles, thank God, they're fireproof. But my goodness, they're yeah, ruined. Yeah, yeah, I was able to clean it, so it's good. Oh yeah. But the um, the the hard drive where I keep all my uh, <laughs> my movies for Plex fried, <laughs> completely Aww. fried. So I have to go buy another one. You know, it cost Aww. me like 180 bucks. I ended up spending all this money. I, I buy new surge protectors, all kinds of things, and um, so. I get home on Saturday, right, to go buy breakers and stuff, thinking maybe the breakers are bad because the lights were flickering a little bit the night before. Yeah. But it wasn't too bad, you know? And so I get to the house, and I call my friend. Well, no, I, let, me, let me go back up a little bit here. Friday, when I, when I was going to bed, the lights started flickering, right? And the TV started turning on and off by itself. So I'm well, thinking. That's not good. Not good. So, not so good. I'm, think, I'm thinking it's either I need, yeah, I'm thinking either I need an exorcist or I need FPL to come out. One or the other. Or it's like ho- this island to earth, you know, when the TV comes on itself and a big head shows up and says, hey, listen, you know, uh, you know, we're taking over your TV. That's a very, very scary scene. Bill, I've, I've lived in a house that had ghosts and I was frightened. Let me tell you, I don't get scared often, but I, I looked around and I was like, okay, this, this is the last thing I need now to be in a haunted house. You know, that's not what I need. So as the lights are flickering, TV's turning off and on, I unplug everything from every part of the house and the lights in the living room still go on and off by themselves. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm about to go rent the hotel because this is just freaking me out. Well, um, do you have a circuit breaker? Box? I do, I do. So that's why I figured well, maybe the breakers went bad, right? So the next day I go to work, Saturday I get back home after work, and I go directly to Home Depot to buy some some uh, breakers, new breakers, thinking, well, I'll change all the breakers and, you know, that'll fix it. Maybe that'll be the problem. So I call my good friend Arlene, who's actually a technician. She's an electric, you know, she's an electrician, and she came Is out. Is she cute also? Oh, she's hot, smoking hot. <laughs> But we're just really good friends. And uh, she comes over to the house, and uh, she starts, uh, you know, looking at the thing. She goes outside, and she goes, look, dude, it's not the breakers. Uh, the wiring in the house is screwed. It's gone. You need to, like, call FPL right now. So we call FPL, and they're like, oh, it's going to be 24 to 48 hours before somebody comes out to the house. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this sucks. I'm going to be without power because I can't really turn anything on. Microwave wasn't working. I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And um, so all the food was going to rot in the fridge, everything. At 2 in the morning, FPO shows up. Amazing. They, wow. they showed up at 2 in the morning. Well, but did you tell them there had been a fire as well? 
Yeah, no, yes. I told them the, the fire yeah. broke out and everything. I told them the whole story. They show up at 2 in the morning, and they start working on the line outside, and they tell me, yep, the, the ground wire is, is completely fried. Uh, the power surge, I guess there was a lightning bolt that hit really close to the house and hit the Whoa. transformer. And that transformer went all the way through, and it fried my house and the house next door. Uh, and I showed yeah. them the picture of uh, what happened in the room, and they're like, dude, you got like a saint over your shoulder because you should be dead right now, or the house should be burnt down. Like, wow. how, how your house didn't burn down, I have no idea. Wow. And, so, so, an, so this is a electricity coming in. Have right. you talked to your neighbor as well? Yeah, the neighbor freaked out because we, when we turned the power off, they turned his power off without telling him. And yeah. all, of, all of a sudden, like, I hit in the morning, you hear, hey, my TV! <laughs> and then he runs outside and like, hey, what the hell's going on, man? And we're like, dude, relax. You know, have your lights been flickering? He was like, yeah, I thought I had a demon. That, that he said it. <laughs> he said it, not me. He said it also. And I'm like, yeah, so did I, dude. You know, we all thought the same thing. See, that's the thing. That's what this country is coming to. When there's flickering electricity, demons. Well, I think it's ghosts story. or demons. Yeah, yeah, the first thing you think. It tells you so, something. Yeah, it tells us, it tells us a lot about ourselves. It does. Uh, so they, they were working on this thing till like five in the morning, six in the morning outside. Uh, I literally fell asleep because it was hot like Cambodia in my house. It was just hot as hell. And I'm sitting in front of like the uh, porch door in the back, you know, where the backyard is, facing yeah. the dog. The dog is there, like looking at them work. All the only lights that were coming in were from outside, from them working outside. So I'm sitting there on the couch, and I pass out on the couch. And, like at six something in the morning, I wake up with full AC blasting. I'm like, oh my god, they fixed it. Thankfully, mm-hmm. I look outside and I see these huge bolts connected to the uh, to the actual, you know, AC to the uh, what do you call it, the unit outside, and is running like, this big black wire all across the fence all the way outside. And they come back later on that day and they tell me, look, we have to put this temporarily because the other uh, job huh. that we have to do is take the wiring from the house and remove it and put new wiring. That's mm-hmm. going to take a long time. We have to have a different crew come out and do that. So they so, gave you an extension cord, basically. Basically, yeah. They, they hooked it up for, like, yeah. uh, I guess, 20 days until they can come out and do the official fix. This well, how, fix much, how much within your walls has to be removed of wire? No, the walls oh. are fine. It's the actual outside wire that oh. goes to the transformer into the house that connects oh, into yeah, the house. Cool. But the, yeah. but your inside wires are not. They're horrible. all perfectly fine. Yeah, because they, since they hooked it up, everything's working perfect now. Wow. So so and it's funny because I'm doing the first broadcast ever from my living room. I'm not in the studio room. I'm in the okay, back. so what did you have to drag into your living room to make this so? Um. Well, my computer, okay. my desk. Uh, pretty much everything, the internet, everything is in the living room now. That since it smelled really bad, it was like, you know, you can still smell the smoke in that room. I didn't want to be in there, you know, hanging out because I, I have bronchitis. I don't well, want to Well, now, you right also now, so. have, I hate to say this, but a real collection, a nerd boy collection that one day will be worth something if it doesn't have smoke damage. None of it got damaged, thankfully. And that's the first thing I thought of, like, oh, my goodness, I could have lost everything, like all my posters. I have a feeling, you know, I mean, you know, carefully curated and watch watching eBay with, you know, carefully every once in a while, you're going to have something there, as oh, you yeah, can yeah. probably imagine. Nancy, yeah. uh, if you want to freak out, I had a 1978 or 79 original Darth Vader unopened. Whoa. Which is worth about 15, 20 grand now. Really? My mother threw it away years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> she threw away my Darth Vader and my Luke Skywalker original figures Why? in her box Why? unopened. This is, this happened years ago. I was like 14 when this happened. She threw it away because she, you know, we had moved from one house to the next and I had a box full of toys that were all unopened. I had the He-Man, uh, Thundercats, G.I. Wow. Joe's, all unopened. I didn't open any of them. I kept them in their perfect condition. 
because I had thought even then I'm like, I think oh, that's one when day your I hair really did fall out, right, right then and there. Yeah, that's when I ripped that out of my head, man. I was like, <laughs> yeah. ah, it's a shame. I love you so much, and I cannot do nothing bad right now. So I'm gonna rip my own hair off. And it's that's like, what well, okay, but that's exactly the scene, and I believe I, I think it might have been Amazon or somebody. Somebody put the movie back up. Yes, it was Amazon, I think, or Netflix. The movie is called Lost in America, and it stars Albert Brooks. Mm. And uh, it's one of his funniest movies ever. But but when uh, you know what, that's how he has to feel. That's how bad he feels at the middle part of the movie when the amazing thing happens. Um, well, I don't know about that amazing thing, but uh, it was really a tragedy when when I found well, out. That's, yeah. So so and, and do yourself a favor, write that down, and when you get your collection back up, you know, Lost check in America, it, Lost in America, yeah. Garth Brooks. Unbelievable. Garth Brooks. Brooks. No, no. that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, don't break my heart. My icky, bricky heart. No, I just don't uh, think you'll understand. Yeah, that's Billy Ray Cyrus. I get all my country music singers confused. And then there's Miley Cyrus. Okay. Oh my goodness. That's the embarrassment of mankind. Uh, by the way, Arizona Tramp, I agree. My mother is watching over me and, uh, thinks she's that's the one that caused the fire not to spread. That's right. Well, listen, I can tell you one Man. thing that um, uh, we, we've had power outages as well, and we have a generator. And with the generator and now with this Wi-Fi hotspot thing, we're kind of set when, it, when the power is out, as long as we have gasoline. However, hmm. I, found, I got something off the Internet. Um, it's a little fan that mothers use to put on their baby carriages. It's a little fan that you kind of like. It has a little snappy bottom, you know, a little plastic bottom, like a snap. Is it like, like a squatty potty? No, it's a little FAN oh. fan. And oh, okay. if you are losing your power, you can still, this thing r- runs on one battery that's rechargeable through your computer, USB thing, right? But okay. it's so powerful. And if you, ha- and I just have it now, and I'm, I'm going to turn it on during the show. Like, it's on right now. Can, and you can't even hear it. And it's on. Well, now that you mentioned I can hear it. Jeez, now, see, now it's close to the thing. No, but see, it can, you can hear it because you're in the room. But what I'm saying is, if you lose your power in this heat, losing the ability to have a fan is one of the very biggest things I'm noticing because I really began to suffer. I have fans everywhere. Um, and so I'm just saying, this is $15 on the Internet. It's a little, you know, um, rechargeable fan. Well worth $15 or whatever it costs, $15. Just saying. Just letting you know, just being helpful. I mean, I have a couple of different fans in the house that I uh, Battery, though, use. see. Battery power, that's cool, though, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shut up, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's been off for like a minute or two or more, maybe so. But 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 I can push the microphone away and still save myself because um, I know the guys in the audience don't want to hear this, but hot flashes, they're quite amazing. Someday they'll be studied by <laughs> medical <laughs> science and... You know, something amazing will be found out about them. I must lose a lot of salt, though. I can maybe say that. Just Whoa. Say mm-hmm. Think about get, it. I don't get it. Salt. Oh, by the way, I'm the same age as Hillary. I'm a little bit younger or older. I'm a little bit older. Older. I'm older. but Older by six months or so. And a and, lot more sane. Well, I don't want to go into that, but I did want to mention <laughs> that pillows are my friend, and I really resent the Drudge Report going after pillows. I feel that's... A low below. Because when you reach a certain pillows? age, I love pillows. What? Pillows? They went after pillars? I, yeah, I yeah, yeah, pillows. Uh, pillows. Yeah, yeah pillows. Pillow. Yeah, you sleep on a pillow. Yeah, no, I get it. No, no, right. you also have pillows. Women love pillows. It's, it's a fact of life. You can, women can never have enough pillows. I like you pillows. Know? Well, I like pillows. Maybe I'm, I'm a man. 
Yeah, but do you, you probably don't like them the way. If you ever go to a girl's house, you'll notice there are pillows everywhere. And oh yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah, but that's that's just uh, insane, Nancy. That's, no, no, no. Pillows. It's it's the way women are. So Drudge, I'm telling you, he better put that one back in his back pocket. Forget the pillows. Do not. Do not attack pillows. I have a really long pillow. You seen those really long ones? Yeah, long and as a as a Star Wars pillow. And we had a, awesome. we had one shaped like a big fish for the boat. Nice. nice. Oh yeah, I love that pillow. Just yeah. a big fish. Ah. And what is your great. Star Wars pillow? What is it? What is it shaped of? Oh no, it just says Star Wars, and it oh. has like like a montage of the movies and stuff on it. It's pretty cool. It's just like really long. My dad it was funny when I first got it. It was like fifteen bucks at um at, at Walmart because it's on special for the movie that came out. And uh, as soon as I got it, it was like the last one they had of that particular one because they had a bunch of different characters and stuff. But I wanted that one because it actually says Star Wars on it. Yeah. And my him, it was the last one I couldn't find it anywhere else. And my dad comes over to the house. You know, he's a Star Wars geek also. And he looks at me. He's like. Uh, can you buy me one of those? Like that's that's, <laughs> the last that's one. nice. I want one of those. Can you give me one of those? Buy me one. And yeah. I'm like, no, Dad. It's the last one. He's like, can I get that one? Take it home. No, no, it's mine. <laughs> Come on, let me get it. I'm like, no, well, man. You know, that's you know, my pillow. Bill today had to beat off a couple of kids, but he Whoa. Get, he, he got the last minion. But he brought home a minion. That just sounds so relatable. wrong, Nancy. That's it just... does. I had to race. I, I had to race. No, corrector, you know, Bill. Corrector oh, for the, the dirty mind. No, no, no. You're in the supermarket. <laughs> you know when you see something when other people see it. So it's a question of they had to convince their mother to bring them over to the minion. So while they began tugging at her. I just raced over and put it in my cart. There you go. Because all I for love the, all for the minions. It's the angry glares of a bunch of yeah, children. Yeah, but I love minions. <laughs> I love minions more than those kids will ever love minions. I do. I believe it. I believe I, it. I didn't like the second movie, so I'm not a completely crazy person. You know, I thought the second movie was eh. There wasn't a memorable the, line the from it. Despicable Me Too or whatever. Yeah, it was stupid. Stupid. I mean, I, there's I, many, I, many, haven't, many, I haven't seen either one of them, to be honest. Well, the first one has all these wonderful catchphrases, you know, that went on to become really famous, like, um, you know, well. Not that famous. Not that famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, famous to me, sort of. Um, and, and they just cheer me up. When I had the very sad, distasteful job of telling people that we had lost our license to publish UFO magazine, I took a bunch of different minions, um, GIFs, GIFs? Mm-hmm. GIFs, GIFs, they're GIFs. No, officially, that- officially, officially, they're GIFs. GIFs. Yep. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard. Okay, so GIFs. I know, I've been saying GIFs my whole life also. But- <laughs> okay, so GIFs, and um, and you're positive. Because um, I'm going to get you on a hundred, this. A 100%, you could, you could Google it, you could research it, you could do scientific experiments on this one. The person who, came, who developed that came out and said, yep, they're GIFs. Okay. Well, yeah. So anyway, so I, I, I scattered them throughout this thing. But I want to point out, since you bring it up, okay. um, I'd, I hope our listeners are mature enough now to understand that, that the <laughs> Internet really has divided itself into, I would say, different groups. And you should know when you're doing research that you should know what group you're reading from so that you can then judge the research based on the group that is providing the information, okay? Like... <laughs> Trump just said in the chat beats kids off, LM. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Trump. She said it. Yeah. Okay, so what would you do, though, Angel? What would you do if you came upon a site and you realized this is a pedophilia, pedophilia site? You'd get off, right? 
Whoa, no. No, come on. <laughs> oh, I'm not answering it like that, Nancy. You don't have to, you don't have to trap me on that one. No. Yeah, I've got to. I hit the X button all the way to the right, and then I go, yeah. like, wash myself in hot water just to cleanse off the, the evil nastiness of yeah. the website. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you can, you could, you would recognize it and you would say, not for me. Uh-uh. uh-uh and you would also guy. feel, you'd also feel terrible, um, if a friend of yours sent you there and you'd say, oh, geez. Do you well, the first it? thing, if anybody tells, if anybody sends me that as a friend of mine and they are sending me that kind of website, I'm reporting them. Okay. Because I have, I have zero where do you, tolerance where do you for pedophilia. Report them? Police. Okay. Cause that's actually a, a federal crime. Yes, I have zero tolerance for pedophilia. Okay. Zero tolerance. Well, there so you any, go. That's a, So don't a, ever a, send a, me anything. There's a brave life stance. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, and I'm against all kinds of bad things. But anyway, what I was going to suggest is, what are, what are your thoughts on white supremacist sites? Um, I have zero tolerance for them also, but I can't really report, you know, them. You can't, you can't report somebody for being an asshole. You know, just, you can't. You know, that's just the way it is. But what do you do when you hit a site that, um, is that is going to be you know because oh, I, you're not going to go out of it. There, I, I, right? I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Okay. So I just I don't even I wouldn't even navigate to the first page. Mm-hmm. If I see like a swatch sticker or uh, if I see a southern flag somewhere, I'm not even going there. Oh. well, the southerners do have a lot. Uh, we've got Wise Frog right here. They have a lot of um, things to be angry about, you know. And the flag, I, I think a flag means a lot to people, and I don't think you should lose your flag. Yeah, but that flag represents it's, hatred and a lot of bigotry and a lot of bad things. Yeah, that's and, what, that's and, what and, I'm and, 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 and here's the thing. We're the United States of America. We're not the United Confederate Flags of America. Yeah, but once you so, start down that path. I'm pride in now, our flag. I, I'm hearing that some people are very much against the don't tread on me flag. You know, with the snake is different, it was separated. That flag has been taken up by another group. I don't remember which. So there, there, there becomes a lot of controversy in all this. I'm saying, yeah, just saying. And all have I you know. ever been to Breitbart? Nope, can't say I have. No, nope. you're not a Breitbart fan. Um, you didn't follow it when Andrew Breitbart was alive, right? I don't even know who that is. Okay, Andrew well, Breitbart, he was the guy who was the founder of a site called Breitbart.com, and it's very anti-Semitic, and it's... No, it's not anti-Semitic. I think it would be not anti-Semitic. It would be... It is anti-Semitic. It is? Oh, yeah. But it's definitely white supremacist, and it's... Uh, what's that other word? What's the other word? Oh, yeah, uh, you, you got to understand, I do radio shows with Jewish people. Um, a lot of my friends are Jewish. I have Jewish people in my family. I have no tolerance for anti, you know, for anti-Semitic people or white supremacy stuff. To me, everybody's a human being. If you cannot get along as a human being, you don't belong in my circle. That's mm-hmm. it. Yep, I agree. And 100%. with that, we are at the bottom of yes. the hour. I mean, we're with our guest, yes, Debbie Janice. Wait, wait, wait! Before we go, PJ oh. Zimmerling did put an interesting little link here vis-a-vis oh. what we're talking about. There is www.reportaholes.com. Let's see if that's real. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think anybody's going to go to jail there, PJ. You know, it's no crime to be an alien. Nah, PJ made it up. Never mind. Uh, yeah, oh, the Gadsden flag. That's you, right. The Gadsden he must be a Democrat flag. making stuff. And up. why is it called <laughs> the Gadsden? Why is it called the Gadsden flag really fast? What? Do you know why it's called the Gadsden flag? The Gadsden flag. No. The Gadsden flag. The don't tread on me flag. The Gad- oh, G-A-D- that was the, that was actually the first flag of the United States Navy. The Gadsden flag. G A D S E. That was the official first flag. 
Well, okay, so I think that the Tea Party adopted them. In not fact, sure. what I was going to do, that was one of the flags when we had our boat. I was looking for that particular flag to uh, to fly over the stern at the jack Yeah, stand. yeah. And you know what? If there isn't a, uh, a report, aholes.com, there ought to be. So I if agree. I, you guys might want to get on that. Yeah. We can I mean, do blast yeah, yeah, from the a-hole. Start a site, aholes.com. And yeah, well, we have, we have blast from the a-hole on Skywatchers. Okay, it is the bottom of the hour. So, we are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy Burns, broadcasting on Future Theater Live from the banks of Primrose Creek Very on live. PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Dark Digital Matter. Network. And we'll be back with our guest, Deborah Jane East, author Deborah Jane East, after these friendly, friendly messages. So, stick around. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or... No. Holy sh- that was the yeah. <laughs> ten seconds of uh, no. What are you? That tra- was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. And I don't Mac Maloney's Military X Files Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the Public Streaming Radio Network. Deborah Jane East on Future Theater Live on PSN Radio on the Dark Matter Digital Network. Uh, we were talking. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Deborah. We appreciate your time. Uh, I know you're out there in Seattle. And, uh, also, a shout out to Angel or Chris because Angel and or Chris ha- always helps get us guests too. And so someone twisted your arm, Deborah. I think. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Angel is awesome. He really is. He is wonderful. 
um, I'm just very privileged to be able to be on PSN. And of course, they're really... talking about Chris Angel, not this one. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what are you doing? And so, what do you do? So, do you live in Seattle now, or I mean, obviously, you're not from Seattle. We can hear oh, that. Lord, no, you might have been told by my accent. I only have to say a sentence or two, and people say, "Where are you from?" Uh, I am from North Carolina, from actually Mayberry. Um, RFD, Mayberry RFD, say. really? <laughs> yeah. Really? It's the yeah. fictional town. It uh, actually is. Um, it used to be called Mount Mount Pilot. And I'm about to live about seven miles from there. I have a house there, but I came up here um, two years ago to to help someone research. Actually, it was Derek research uh, on his book and do things. And so, and that's, uh, and that's Derek, your partner, Derek. Yes, Derek Tyler. And you know, Washington is the state where some of the first UFO sightings uh, were seen. You know, close to uh, we're close to Mount Rainier. Sure. And um, Kenneth Arnold, you know, saw those right. iconic, strange-looking, saucer-shaped. Um, well, how did ground. you get from North Things. Carolina to yep. Seattle or to uh, Washington State? Well, uh, I just flew up here. Mm-hmm. I just got on a plane and flew up here. Great uh, answer. I already had. I already had a. This is funny. And Angel, I love this story. I already had a radio show called Sky Watchers. Okay. Yep. I knew nothing at all about our Angel Skywatchers Radio. <laughs> this is how we and, met, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I had a office in Pilot Mountain and had done my show for about two years. Well, one day I had booked a guest over from the UK, and uh, he worked at Scotland Yard. And I was waiting for him to get back with me about a date, and uh, finally I reached him. And I said, oh, you were supposed to contact me, John, about being on my show. He said, well, somebody else by the name of Sky Watcher Radio <laughs> talked to me, and I'm on their show. That's how I found out about Angel. Wow. I thought I was, you know, the funny part is, I thought they were like, we were so popular at this point that people are contacting me. And because he, he, he was like, yeah, we're going to be on the show, and when's the date, and this and that. And I'm like, cool, yeah, we'll have you on the show, no problem. My show is awesome. People are contacting me now to be on the show. Okay, so then I found years, out it was a mistake. What, uh, what years did you each start your shows? I started my show in actually 2009. 2009, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, had uh, interviewed you know quite a large amount of people. Um, what happened was I retired from my job as a social worker in 2006, and all my children were gone. I uh, was by myself, and I thought, well. What will I do? What do I need to do? So the first thing I did is uh, I'd always wanted to write a book, so I wrote a book, a paranormal book, and got that published. And then there was you a make UFO. it sound so easy. Oh, right. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't easy. <laughs> I'm so stuck in the first sentence of my book. You should have seen me, Nancy. I had never used Microsoft Word, never in my That's life. That's what I heard you say on a show, and I was thinking to myself. What, it's so interesting that you, you know, you had, you said you had already been a writer because your kids knew you as a writer because you wrote stories for them. So they just kind of thought that's what you did. They, uh, they did. I mean, it was sort of, um, you know, when you're growing up, you have a knack for certain things. And I was always able to make up a story right on the spot. And uh, I kept diaries, wrote poetry. And, um, well, now your book that is called, uh, where is it here? Uh, I've lost it's, it. 
It's called Radiance. Radiance. Love, yes, Love After Death. That story is based on a near-death experience. And um, in 2008, I had surgery, and they didn't know I had atrial fib. And so I went into cardiac arrest, and I basically died. Hmm. And um, I didn't see a white light or a tunnel or anything, but I knew I was dying. I raised above my body. And I just asked one thing, and I said, if you could, would you let me stay a little while longer? I know I have work to do. I need to. Who, write who a, were you talking to? I, w- I was speaking to our creator, God, you know, whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. And I could hear my daughter praying for me down in another room in the hospital, and I could I saw the nurse go out the door to tell her that, mm-hmm. you know, that something had happened to me. And the next thing I knew, I woke up in ICU, so I guess the answer was yes. (laughs) Well, are you certain to this day that you were talking to a creator or a good thing? I actually am. I actually am because of the peace I felt. And that's one thing that you hear in common with people that have near-death experiences is they feel over, for the majority, they feel an overwhelming peace Mm -hmm. and um I wasn't panicked. I wasn't in pain. I absolutely knew I was dying. I was above my body. My consciousness had left my body. Well, I wait, wait, wait. Right before that happened, you were, were you out under anesthesia? Yes, I was under anesthesia. Wow. Okay. Yep. And, um, do you remember next, conversations that you heard in the room while you were having oh, your yes. knees? I remember, uh, the nurse saying her heart rate is 255. And the, yes, and I could, I could hear my heart on the monitor. It was beating so fast. I mean, Mm. I could, it was just like one continuous thing. It was, Mm. it was so loud. I saw nurses running around, um, when I could hear that I had flatlined and I heard my, uh, doctor tell the nurse, go and talk to, um, her daughter. And the nurse went out the door. And even though my daughter was uh, downstairs in the waiting room, like on a whole nother floor, I heard my daughter praying for me mm. when the nurse told her. And I knew that I was dying. I just knew that I was out of my body and that I was going to another plane of existence. And when I asked if I could stay the number one thing is you realize how much time you've wasted in your life saying, well, I'll do this one of these days. Mm-hmm. I'll write that book. Mm-hmm. You know, every day we have is a gift. Well, did you have writing in mind when you that said you have so something else to do? Um, I knew that something had plagued me my whole life, uh, things that had happened to me, Um I had started some research on experience that I had, and I just discontinued it because, you know, I had other things going on in my life. And one of them was a UFO sighting that I had had when I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And then I had another experience in my 20s, and um, my parents had a major sighting in 1987. And um, then there was a sighting at the current place that I lived in, Westfield, North Carolina. And at that time, uh, do you guys remember George, I think it's Fawcett, is that how you pronounce his last name? Yes, yep. yes, George, George Fawcett, Fawcett. Yep, yep. yes. Yes, he lived, he lived in Mount Airy, 
And um, so one evening, my husband was coming home. It was about uh, getting close to dusk. And they came flying down to the house in the truck, both him and my son, and they said, Mom, there is a UFO. It's up here. It's less than a 1,000 yards from the main highway. Come and get in the truck. So mm. here I am in my, you know, it was um, I just had on my old house clothes and had my hair back, and I jumped but in the truck. But this sounds exactly know. like when your parents were called out or called you out to see what they saw. Yeah, it, it was. And the excitement in their voice told me that they had saw something that was unbelievable because at that point, my husband had never said that he believed in UFOs. He had certainly never saw one. Mm -hmm. Well, when we got to the top of the hill, um, there were three of them, and they were probably at that point a couple of thousand feet up. They One of them was triangle-shaped. Um, the other two were more orb-like. They hovered in position for maybe five minutes, and they slowly sort of trolled a little bit left to right, like they were scanning the country, and they went on for about maybe half a mile, and we followed them until we could no longer see them. But the next day, George Fawcett had written an article about the huge UFO sighting that was uh, reported in nine counties in North Carolina. Wow. Qu- question, and did you have any missing time at all during the uh, the time you're looking or following that the UFO? Point, oh, no, we had no missing no missing time at that point. And, okay. um, but it did make me realize that North Carolina is um, really a hot spot for UFOs. And, in fact, there's been some major sightings in the past few months and one of them was only two miles from my home, and there were probably 15 to 20 craft in wow. the video that I saw. Wow. Now, you guys, I know you've heard of the X-Files. They had a show about yep. the Brown Mountain Lights. Do you yes. remember that yes. one? Yes, yes, yes. I remember yes, that yeah. show. On the X-Files? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, live, um, I live close to there. I live close I was, to there. I was just going to ask you if any of this was near Brown Mountain. And Brown Mountain uh, is where they see the orbs all the time, basically? Yes, I, and you, yeah. you should go to their website because a researcher recently set up time-lapse cameras, oh. and he was just getting ready to, like, you know, give up, so to speak. The last few hours, he got some of the most incredible video of the lights I have ever seen. And um, I will post it on my notes from the underground page. Okay. I tell you, it is really mind-blowing. But NASA has even studied mm-hmm. these lights, and they can come to no conclusion as to what they are. Um, has it been posited that they might be limestone emana- emanations, basically? Well, I know that now... Pilot Mountain itself is made out of granite. Mm-hmm. And if you saw the Devil's Tower that was in Close Encounters, right. Right. Pilot, Pilot Mountain is sort of like that. Some people say that it's an old volcano core. It sort of looks like it could have been like a plug, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very prominent. Um, I know 100 years ago, uh, the Sora Indians that lived there, and also different other uh, tribes of Indians, they used to use Pilot Mountain as a guide. So that's how I got the name of Pilot. 
But I also know this. Uh, six years ago, our good old Army, um, I was out at Pilot Mountain, and I noticed there were some black helicopters. And they had big stacks of lumber, like tied, you know, lifting them mm-hmm. up with their helicopters. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like they were dry, down below the copter itself? They were like yeah. swings? Yeah. Like- yes, and they were lifting them to the top of Pilot Mountain. Now, there's no road that can get you there. It's a, it's a mountain cliff thousands of feet high, and nobody can – you can't climb to get up there. The only way you can get there is by a plane or a – well, there's actually no place for a plane to land. It would have to be a helicopter. But they were taking loads of lumber and stuff to the top of Pilot Mountain. So I'm thinking maybe there might be an underground base there. Because why would they be putting a building up there when you can't, you know, take a road to get there? Do you know what I mean? Oh, sure. So, right. So um, either that or they're building, uh, for some reason, there's an underground base with a helicopter landing pad. Yes, a good possibility. Because I found out in all my research about UFOs, they uh, do like mountains quite a bit. They like the mountains. They like mm-hmm. the cover. Oceans. Yes. Mm-hmm. They and go under the water. Going to the water, and um, you know, there's been so many um, sightings and stuff in the area, and especially down towards the beach. Myrtle Beach is another hot spot. So, yeah, living in a place like that, you know, um, just makes you curious. So I started investigating all this stuff, and then someone said, "Do you have some spare time?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I have some." She said, "Well, I need a new radio." host she said Mm. what do you want to talk about and i thought she's asking me Mm. she's asking me i used to be afraid to do book reports (laughs) (laughs) and um i started thinking you know ufos i love ufos i've researched that a lot i've had experiences i should do a ufo radio show well i didn't really think anybody would say yes you know if i asked them to be on the show well, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm Southern or, you know, Southern women are a little bit crazy. So we don't care if other people well, think we're, you know, silly or, or you know, um, crazy for talking about UFOs. I have really never been turned down by anyone that I've asked. <laughs> so, Southern women are also very persuasive. It's the accent, Nancy. It it's the, yeah. it's the accent. Yeah. Either yeah. that or I can make a mean banana pudding. <laughs> Ooh, you're talking my language. My potassium is already going up. Oh, man. um, uh, The doors are out of my mouth, Bill. I I wanted to uh, sort of pick your brain. You had mentioned a fellow that you said you were either going to have on or or did have on, and I went looking today, and I kind of got lost. He was a fellow who is a Canadian, and he was, I believe, doing a FOIA with perhaps NORAD. That's Victor Vigorani, yes. Um, (laughs) He was at their conference that they had, I think it was about a month or two ago. And to my understanding, he owns a large um, uh, newspaper. And he has written a couple of books about uh, disclosure and stuff like that. Well, um, all the usual people were there, like um, Stephen Bassett. And, and what uh, conference was this? This was some kind of, let's see, what did they call it? Like Contact in the Desert? Yeah, or it wasn't Contact in the Desert. Yeah. It was something like 
Alien Expo or something like that. It was their first oh, okay. big event, and they had they had all the standards there, like Travis Walton. Um, let's see, Victor was there. Uh, several different others, Stanton Friedman. They were all sitting on a panel, and Victor came up to uh, the stand, and he really blew everybody's minds. He said. I'm here tonight to tell you something. He said, I uh, contacted NORAD through the Freedom of Information Act, and he asked them about their UFO sightings for the last five years, I believe. Uh, But he didn't say exactly UFOs. He termed it another phrase that is used by NORAD. It was something about, I believe he called it uh, tracking numbers. Okay. Or tracking something. Well, as sometimes they are known to do, as they did with Bruce Maccabee when they sent him 1,700 pages of information that should have been kept secret, they actually sent him the real thing. They sent him information that said Canada had witnessed 2,000 UFOs, 75 had been intercepted by their craft, and that uh, they were real, and that uh, they tracked them on radar, and that some of them had disappeared. Some of them were going 3,000 miles an hour. They were going really fast, but they were real UFOs. Mm -hmm. What they also had in there is the United States had contacted them and said, we recommend that you treat these like we treat these. Make no big deal about them because, you know, it's a security It's a security thing, and so we just want to steer everybody away from it. Well, what does does NORAD have auspices to go across the border into Canada? Uh, Yes, they do. It's a joint command. Yes, North American. So it's the whole. Yeah. Okay. That's why it's North uh, North American Air Defense Command. Okay. Yes. So the um, United States was telling them to play it down, that it's, a, you know, it's a security thing and that, you know, not to reveal it and all this kind of stuff. Well, just as I suspected, if you uh, try to get information through the Freedom of Information Act, they pay attention to what you ask for. Mm. So Victor got contacted by the United States saying, if you publish your um, information. He had 11 pages of facts from NORAD saying that they were real UFOs, that they had intercepted them and all the statistics. We will extradite you to the United States and we will um, get you for espionage, that they would file charges against him. And he said he looked all those guys in the eye, Friedman and Bassett, and he said, I have 11 copies here with everything on them, he said, and I'm going to hand them out to each one of you. And he said, United States, arrest me if you can. I'm going to give out these things, and I'm not going to hold it back. And so he gave everybody a copy there, basically saying, screw you. I'm going to release this because that's what he's worked for his whole life. Hmm. So I was a little bit worried about him because when you do things like that, you know, they can find you in unexpected places. But I think from Victor's viewpoint, I mean, I don't know his age, but he looks like he's in his 80s. Um, well, did he put, are they also online? Yes, they are. I okay. have a copy of them. 
Cool. Yes. Uh, what, what would you What would you look on? What would you? Um, it's on yep. Victor's uh, website, and I can't remember the name of it offhand, but uh, I do have that link. I think I've posted it on my timeline. And these papers, I mean, it's right there for everybody to see. And there's no denying it. I mean, why would the United States tell him that they were going to extradite him? for releasing that information if it wasn't anything that was real. Hmm. So it's like, whoops, I know they must be embarrassed, but I'm sure they're treating it like they do everything else, silence. Or- <clears throat> and they think well, these people get holding a, a secret together. Now, there's there's a fellow, I believe he's a fellow in chat, saying, I don't understand this. And the worst part is, I think they had given him this info before without any warnings. What What does that mean, do you think? Without any warnings. Well, um, you know, this has become so large, so large and so big that I think sometimes um, they have other people there that don't realize the what the actual information is that they're giving out. I mean, um, Dr. Bruce McAbee, who has uh, written many, many good books about UFOs, and he... Um, he wrote one of his books because he asked for the information about some UFO sightings mm-hmm. through the Freedom of Information Act, and they accidentally sent him 1,700 pages of UFO sightings and evidence. Mm. So I think it was a little faux pas, you know, on NORAD's fault for giving out the information. Or might it be white knights within who want this message, this material out? Well, I've heard that said, but I have noticed this. Uh, I track all UFO sightings that go on in uh, the United States and some other countries. There has been an increase in not only sightings, but actually it's it's not just one UFO anymore in a picture. It's multiples. Mm-hmm. They well, are coming in multiples now, so I see a big and advancement. You're sighting. Yeah, and your sighting was a multiple sighting. Yes, it was. It was a multiple sighting. And when I first saw a UFO when I was 12 years old, this was back in 1967. You mm-hmm. know, there was no Internet, no social media. And I didn't even know what a UFO was. I'd never right, heard anybody right, right. talk about one. Well, so tell us about that. That I believe you said it was the size of a freight train. It was the size out. of a tractor trailer. A tractor trailer. Yeah. Uh, so, so describe that. So, who saw it first? And I think your father dragged everybody outside. Yeah, we were. Uh, it was in the country, and um, we were all watching television. It was a big moonlit night, and um, we lived in a big two-story house. And our dog started barking, which was unusual because you know nobody was ever around very much. My dad went outside to see what it was, and he came inside and he said, "Y'all come out here. You won't believe this." So we went out there to the edge of the porch, and to the left of our house was a huge hill with some trees, you know, up at the top of the hill, about maybe a quarter of a mile away from us. Over the top of that hill was a huge tractor-trailer-sized saucer-shaped craft, I mean, typical shape, and it had a rotation of lights around the center, And it was just hovering there, and the moon was shining, reflecting on it. There were no wings, nothing like that. It was what color? It was in the moonlight. It was like a. a, It was actually when it got closer, we could tell it was like a dull 
gray metal kind of color. But the lights were reflecting that were uh, rotating around the center part uh, was red, green, and blue. They were rotating and sort of uh, reflecting a little bit on it. So we just stood there. We didn't say anything. I think we were sort of in shock. And as it came closer, it came within maybe six or 700 yards of our house. It mm-hmm. was less than probably around um, maybe eight or 900 feet above our house, not quite over top of it, but it just stood there. Our dog was looking up in the sky, barking at it. Well, uh, did any I, other neighbors see this? No, we lived, we lived by ourselves. Uh, there were no houses anywhere close to us for around five miles. Wow. But what was interesting, my grandmother lived up the road, um, probably about 10 minutes away, and she had saw strange, uh, she called them white bouncing balls of light. Mm -hmm. She said, do not go to the barn when it gets close to dark. She said, somebody's out there trying to play a trick. She said, there's big white balls. She said, they look like beach balls, but they're bigger, and they have white light, and she said, they're going up and down um the pasture and she said i don't know what they are but it spooks all the animals Mm. and she didn't even know the term ufo Mm. and you know we were just little kids we just thought well grandma's a little strange (laughs) (laughs) but this was close to where she had saw you know something strange too but after i saw that craft there was no one that could ever tell me that ufos were not real but okay so now People nowadays will say it's got to be one of ours. You know, we didn't know we had that stuff. And and the second question people always ask is, why the lights? Why would you need lights if you're going through black holes or interstellar and all that? Why the lights? Well, some lights on UFOs are connected to their energy source. Plasma ships look much different from uh, some of the standard type cylinder UFOs. Um, we saw one just a few nights ago, and it was more the orb-shaped, which is round, white, radiating light. But then, after a few minutes, it totally turned red, I mean, a solid red color. So a lot of it has to do with their power source. Okay, and Chris is in the chat and, you know, is listening, I'm sure. Um, So you see them all the time? No, I don't see them all the time. I've only saw... I've saw, I had two sightings since I've been here in Washington. Um, the last sighting in North Carolina was in the 90s. And the other two was when I was 12. And then I had an experience, which I, I was an abduction experience in my 20s. Is that when you had amnesia? Well, I guess you could call it that. Um I was in my 20s, uh, was down below uh, the mountain close to the Virginia border and North Carolina border. And that night, you know, I just I wasn't really tired. You know, I was laying in bed. Uh, my house was a two-story house. Behind me was a forest. There were no roads or lights or anything like that. I had a big fence around my whole property. Well, all of a sudden... Um, I looked over to my window, and there was a light that was so bright, it totally made the whole room 
vanish like it was so bright. That's all I could mm-hmm. see was that light. Mm. Well, the first thing I thought of, you know, because, you know, I went to church and everything, I thought about, wow, you know, when they talked about seeing an angel, they would say it was so bright that people, you know, fell down to their feet and all this kind of stuff. I wasn't even thinking about UFO. Wasn't even thinking about that. So for about four seconds, I was blinded by this radiating light. And the next thing I knew, I woke up the next morning. Uh-huh. And um, it was a little bit Missing later. Missing time. Right there. Yeah, it was a little bit later. I thought, what was that light at my window? I did remember the light. And so I went outside and looked down below to see if I saw footprints or anything. Didn't see footprints. And I thought to myself, well, you know, there's a forest behind my house. There's no roads. There's no houses. So it wasn't a flashlight because that would be just a small beam of light. You know how a flashlight looks if you point it in the window. Right. Uh-huh. And this, and this, light, was, this was way before your near-death experience, right? Yes, yes. And it, yeah. it's it's almost like... Like there was some huge spotlight that was almost as big as my house shining its beam in my window. That's how it felt. Well, it it was a few days after that that I remembered a weird dream. And my dream that I remembered was I was walking into my living room and I saw the lights go by my front door. I had a... Like it was half windows and, um, you know, the rest was wood so I could see through my front door out the windows. I saw a light on the pavement in front of me and um, three, I thought it was like little spacemen, came to my door and just walked through the door and come on in my house. And I was standing there in my bed clothes and I wasn't afraid, wasn't afraid or anything. I couldn't see their faces. Um, but they seemed to be dressed in some kind of silver looking suits or something. It was not like a space suit, but it was just like a tight, a tight fitting, like a body kind of suit, outfit. like a really tight body suit. Yes, yeah, sort of, sort of like that. Like Star Trek ish, but silver. Yeah, it was, it was like a uniform. I know that it's, well, what it, like now, um, were there any hoods involved? No, but they're, they had some kind of covering their faces. When I looked at their face, I thought, this is weird. Their faces are blurred. Why can't I see their face? Mm. And I kept kept on trying to focus on their face. Mm. Well, the first thing they did when they came in is one of them took their hand and they waved it to the left where I had my library. I had like probably 200 books on shelves, you know, all different kinds of books and everything. And when he did that, I knew that he had read every book that was on my shelf. I don't know. He didn't say it out loud. It was telepathy. Uh, his the mouth, the mouth didn't move. But I knew that he had read every single book I had on my shelf. I bet and you had. I bet you had day after, day after Roswell. <laughs> I had lots. I had lots of books. I had. But wait, but wait. Did you, but did you have Day After Roswell? No, I don't think I did. I don't think hmm. I had Day After Roswell. I wonder what an alien would think of uh, if they read that book, especially if they're like the same species. Yeah, I thought we were at that moment where we had the first. Hmm. In, see if he if you had had it on the shelves and you had that feeling, then we'd know it'd be the very first time that an alien 
has read Bill's book. Yeah. Oh, that Same. would be cool. True that story, cool. yeah. <laughs> well, this close. The, the most <laughs> interesting thing is the book that they were most interested in happened to be a old German. Uh, my parents, uh, my mother, when her family passed away, they had a German Bible that was very, very old. Mm. And they expressed some interest in that because um, – well, I asked them, I said, where do, where do you come from? And they um, showed me like, I, back then, you know, I didn't even know what a hologram was, but they showed me like an image in the space in front of me. Mm-hmm. And then they said, we can show you where we originate from. And it seemed like I got sucked up into a portal. I mean, I just like, it seemed like I just levitated out up, up, out through my house. That's the only way I know how to explain it. And I was in another place, and it seemed like I had clarity, like I could see myself walking. I was looking down at my hands and feet and different things. And I was looking around, and I thought, how did I get here? The next thing I knew, I had fell back down through that, and I looked at them, and I said, how did you do that? How did you take me someplace else? And they said, uh, there is a secret word. He said, there's a secret word. And this is related to everything that we are about, where we came from, but you're not going to remember this word. Mm-hmm. And they said the word. So I kept on telling, saying that word over and over in my mind, over and over and over again, so I wouldn't forget it. Well, remember? guess what? No, <laughs> I forgot Don't. it. I forgot the word. I forgot the word. I knew one thing. I knew one thing. It started with an S. It started. Well, have you? What, was it? A, was it a familiar English word? No, it was not a familiar English word. I'd never heard the word before. Uh, didn't know what it was or what it meant. Was well, it? Have you ever? Chicago. Did they tell I, well, you? I remembered it later. I remembered hmm. it later. Oh, okay. Oh. Why I did was, they? Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, uh, did you ask them, oh, what were they doing here? Why are they here? Well, I know they were telling me something about where they came from. And for some reason, I got the impression they were here because they were looking for more resources. They were, they showed me an image in, in my mind of what they consume to live, you know, what they eat basically. And it was a yellow, it was a yellow, gold, amber looking liquid stuff. And they said, I hope it's not human fat. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know what it was. It was like, it was yellow, gold. It was like, but just think, what if it is human fat and what if they're fattening everybody up? What if that's the reason why they came down and got all the gold that they did, you know, supposedly? Maybe they're well, yeah, eating they gold. Yeah, they already got the gold, but now well, what if maybe we're... Maybe they're eating if, the gold. Maybe but that's what what if food. No, but I'm just thinking, what if... I mean, that would explain why everybody's getting heavier. <laughs> well, I no, mean, that's, you, that's, Mc, you, that's McDonald's and uh, steroids and cows. Yeah, but see, they're in on it. They're all in on it together. In fact, the very, very established Richard Dolan. Nobody disputes Richard Dolan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill's in here. Bill's in here. Rich, Rich Giordano right now is wondering if you're here. I'm here. Yeah. Um, Oh, and by the way, Bill, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. 
I just can't even believe I'm on a show with with you. I watched every one of your shows probably two or three times, and I can say this with uh, all honesty. Your show was one that dealt with the facts, and it wasn't one of those that builds up forever, and then, you know, at the end they say, well, what do you think? You know, and and just you you follow every single show. I learned something. Well, which and, was the Brown Mountain show? Can you guys? No, that was you. Uh, never mind. It was X Files. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was X Files. No, but I mean, uh, Brown Mountain. But you're Mountain right. You guys, really, did you guys do Brown Mountain in? Your no, film? we didn't. That was on our list of things for a fourth season. Yeah. The, you know, yeah. so many people, um, Deborah, you're not the first who have who have said this. And and as time passes, and you can clearly see that there's a formula now. Of just junk, you know, it's going to be, it's going to get your hopes up and it's going to dash them. It's almost like since Bill's was really the first that was, it was truly scripted. I mean, it was scripted in that it was researched and it was kind of filmed like a documentary, like a documentary, kind of like. Well, it was. And, you know, some of the shows that Bill did, you know, it really piqued my interest. So I would go back and, and look it up and, and, right, and that's every the other time. Thing. Right, yeah. and and all everything that Bill said, all the facts were just like they were written. And yeah. honestly, it is hard to find a show that that does things like that. Yeah, there's not been, there's not been another show. There's not been another show on ufology on TV like UFO Hunters. Just well, not. I wish no, I wish was, not. Was, I wish some really smart people would come along and explain to Bill. Mm-hmm. I think all Bill needs to do is he wants to be the star and the producer and the head writer, the showrunner, whatever. Everybody wants him to be that. He wants to be that. All we need is what? A production company that we right, form right. of our own somehow? Right, right. But, but I mean, uh, and then there we are sell other things, it to too. The yeah, for, example, uh, well, for example. Hey, y'all hooked up with the right person. One thing that I do, um, Dr. Bruce Maccabee, he wrote a screenplay on Tesla, okay? Hmm. And I have interviewed Whoa. lots of producers. I know lots of them because, you know, after a while you realize, oh, my gosh, I've interviewed thousands of people from everywhere. Mm-hmm. You make connections. So I know of a company that is uh, granting people, giving them money to produce movies and uh, show pilots and stuff. What is this, GoFundMe? No, it's not they sent me. It's um, actually, gosh, it escapes me right now, but I know they are awarding like $100,000 a project right now. Whoa. Yes, and I have also uh, hooked uh, Dr. Maccabee up with someone that is probably, that is working on uh, producing you know, his uh, script for him. So I think right now, because of the um, implications of the X-Files and, you know, it's already, of course, been determined they're going to do another another uh, right, season. Right, they are. Yes, they are. Yeah. And with all of the controversy going on in the White House right now, with uh, all that scandal with, uh, you know, Emails. the Clintons, yeah. the Clintons yeah. wanting to reveal the UFOs and, this person oh, and this person, I think there's a renewed interest in real truth. And there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out right now. And some of it is so mind-boggling, I can't even believe that they well, have kept this hidden from us. Well, here's my prediction. One, Hillary's not going to reveal anything about UFOs because her answer is I, – I, I, this is not a negative thing. This is what I really think is the story. 
John Podesta, everybody thinks that her campaign guru, John Podesta, who was Clinton's chief of staff back in the 90s, everybody thinks that this guy really is pro-UFO, and he's not. He worked with Leslie Kane on suing the um, on suing NASA over its records uh, concerning Kecksburg, uh, the crash in Kecksburg in 1965. But he didn't do it because he was really a UFO enthusiast per se. He did it because he really did believe in government transparency about things that really don't affect national security. So that. That's his, that's, that's his angle on this. Hillary, um, her statement up in New Hampshire was that she would look for the truth about UFOs and reveal the truth as long as it did not negatively impact national security, which is, of course, that's the escape clause because of it course. will impact national security. I mean, it, uh, it really has to. But there's another angle which if you're saying why would she be so interested in in UFOs here's here's the angle here's the angle and it's this the first secretary of the new united states air force remember the services the army and the air force split in august 1947 one month after the crash at roswell the first secretary of the air force who theoretically would have received any information from the crash at Waswell. I mean, after all, it was only three weeks, and we know that uh, material went to um, uh, the Air Force Base, in uh, the 8th Air Force Headquarters in uh, Fort Worth, and we know that um, material wound up at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And we know that the Air Force conducted um, research on its own um, National Air War College class of 1948, which they sent to Wright Field, according to one of the members who told his children to look at the debris from the crash at Roswell and the living alien. So we have all that down as eyewitness testimony. Stu, uh, Stuart Symington was the first secretary of the Air Force. His grand kind of cousin, third class removed or something. His third cousin was Fife Symington, the governor of Arizona at the time in March 1997, at the time of the Phoenix Lights. We know that Fife Symington was uh, looking at corruption charges. There was a real chance he would get convicted and go to jail. And we know that uh, on the morning that he had gone to judges' chambers. This is according to Frances Barwood, who is the city council person who lost her job because she asked what those lights were, what the uh, uh, Phoenix lights were. She told us that he went to, um, he was um, in, in judges' chambers. Then that, then he made an announcement that he would certainly get to the bottom of all this UFO stuff over Phoenix. So he after going to judge's chambers, he calls a big news conference and says he's finally gotten to the bottom of the whole UFO question and out walks somebody in an alien costume, big head, alien yes. costume, and that's his chief of staff. And it's all a big joke. He pulls the mask off. Ha ha, all you guys, you're taking this all too seriously. Well, 
Years later, Fife Symington told me, told James Fox as well, we're both there. He said that he saw the 830 lights. First of all, he apologized for his stunt. Then he says he saw the 830 lights himself, that he was dropped off by his um, his state police guard detail at his house. And he says to them, look, I'm going to go to bed so you guys can take off for the night. You know, I don't need you. They took off and then he goes into his backyard that he's not supposed to do. He's supposed to stay inside his house. But he goes in, outside his backyard where he actually sees this craft. Same craft that other people in Phoenix described, the 830 lights, three lights on a giant triangle um, that he can actually see through. It's translucent. The starlight uh, is coming down. Then he says, oh, yes, I saw it myself. I was in the Air Force. Um, I had my own sighting on radar. I was told to forget about it. And I was just a, um, a, a lieutenant second class. So I did exactly as I was told. And I forgot about it. But I saw this. Wait a second. Uh, Rich here is saying that Symington uh, lied about seeing the UFO. He said he'll prove it as he did four years ago. Does this mean maybe maybe Rich could call in and describe that? Yeah, I wish you would because I, I'd like to know because Five Symington actually said he, he saw the thing and there was no reason for him not to say it. Yeah, I remember yes, seeing the interview I, with him saying that. I yes, I, I did too. Yeah. I saw him say during the interview, and I looked at his face as he spoke it, and he seemed very sincere. What I think is he was told to downplay it because well, yes, um, but here's the bombshell, Deborah. Here's the bombshell that he dropped at the very end of the interview. He said, and then when it was all said and done, I got a presidential pardon from Bill Clinton. So on the night of the Phoenix Lights. Um, Bill Clinton was supposedly staying with his friend, golfer Greg, Nor uh, uh, Greg Norman. And suddenly he says, well, he had an accident, he turned his knee, he broke some knee cartilage, and he's incommunicado that night. This is the night of Hale-Bob Comet. This is the night of Heaven's Gate, all those suicides. And this is the night of the Phoenix Lights. Bill Clinton is incommunicado. Wow. Yet he reemerges day later. The, the, uh, the media scrambles over the Phoenix lights. What are they? Who knows? We don't know. It's all a big flap. People laugh. People say this. People say that. But at the end of the day, Fife Symington gets his presidential pardon. 786-245-8127. Yes, mm -hmm. indeed. 786 Two four five eight one two seven. But he can well, just Skype in. He they tried to pawn it off as uh, flares, is what well, they tried to pawn it off as. Yeah, that was the ten thirty lights. They were pawned off as flares, and of course, the kind of experts on that. There are like three people who um, we interviewed who all have their own opinions. Jim Dilatoso from Village Labs uh, outside of Phoenix, who said he did. Tests and and um, he's a photo. Did Jim once said, work with Daryl Sims? What did Jim once work with Daryl Sims? I don't know. You're thinking about Roger Lear. I know Roger Lear, but didn't Jim once have a partner also, Jim Delatoso? I don't think so. But yeah, any, I don't think so either. Oh, okay. uh, but anyway, so uh, Jim said they definitely were not flares. Bruce Maccabee says they are flares. And um, uh, um, do you think Bruce will talk about his Tesla script? 
I hope so. We should contact yeah. him. Yeah, you should contact him. I have his email. I'm sure he would love to talk to you. Well, Great. the one thing that convinced me about the Phoenix Lights is other eyewitnesses that saw them go over their house told that it blacked out the stars when it went That's over. That's right. That's exactly right. And for some of them, um, the testimony was that they could see translucently through the black velvet. Big, they called it black velvet, that it was shimmering. And the odd thing to me always was this, that there was one meeting at one of the houses. It was like a school board meeting or a parent's school meeting. And this was a house high up uh, over Paradise Valley. And these houses have these phenomenal, because we were there, these phenomenal verandas overlooking the valley. So it's, it's really gorgeous, actually. Expensive, but gorgeous. And so she said that the triangle was flying so low that she could actually almost see it at an at at, at side on um, from her balcony. And you know, the standard line, if I had a rock in my hand and threw it at this thing, it would have bounced off it. That's how close it was. But here's the interesting thing, she said, that when it passed, first of all, nobody said a word as it passed over. It was almost like awesomeness. Then it's gone. I know the feeling. <laughs> then, when they went inside the house, they simply resumed the meeting. Nobody said anything about this fantastic sighting. Why wouldn't they talk about it? And that's been reported before by other people. Uh, Ray Hernandez uh, saw a UFO, and he said there were other people out in the neighborhood walked out. They all saw the UFO, but then they just went back to their normal chatting. Derek Tyler, my co-host, he saw a UFO less than a mile from his home. It landed, uh, it came down and landed beside the Yakima Training yeah, Center. Yeah, Two that's Rich. Oh, we got Rich on the line. Rich Giordano. Rich Giordano. What's up, buddy? Thanks for calling. Hold on a second. Picture, Rich. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Oh, oh that's good. Okay. Okay, Rich. <laughs> Uh, tell us why you think that, um, or or what information you have about uh, uh, Five Symington's retracting that statement. Well, I'm very glad you asked that question, and thank you for having me on. Okay, sure. so I did a show four years ago because I listened to a story, very good at detecting liars, their facial expressions, things like that. So I'm listening to a story, and being here in Arizona, knowing how things panned out that day and that night, his story doesn't pan out at all because he said, and you can listen to this online, that he was eating dinner with his parents, with his parents, with his kids, and um, he was listening on the news about things that were happening. Of course, he knew what was happening earlier, but he said he was eating dinner with his family and decided to drive to Squaw Peak Park, which is about five to seven minutes from his house. Now, he said he heard it on the TV. Now, that's impossible because it didn't get on TV until 9.35 that night. Believe me, I, in, I investigated. I found out the first airing came on Channel 15 News at 9.35. And then they brought it up at the end of the show like they always do. He said he drove to the park. People were milling around at the park, and somebody said, hey, what's that? Now, if that's at 9.30 after it was on the news, the sightings happened at 8.15 to 8.30. Right. That's like saying, that's like saying, hey, there's an airplane about to crash. Go down to the, uh, over here 
you know, about five miles up the road, you'll see it. You'll never see that airplane crash. It's impossible. I've been sky watching for how many years? Ten years? I've never seen anything just driving up the street when, when somebody said who, there it which, is. When did he make this statement? He's, it, well, it's, um, he did an interview. I think it was on, uh, uh, well, it was an interview with someone. I can't remember right now. What year um, do you think? It was, uh, it was 10 years after it happened. So it was 2007. Okay. So this is the weird part about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we are interviewing him. It is something like 2008. Right. So the story he tells is this. Here's the story he tells. That um, his uh, uh, guard detail drops him off at the house around about a quarter of eight, eight-ish. And um, he releases them and says, okay, fine, you guys can go. And they say, you cannot leave the house. You're the governor. You cannot leave without your security detail, right? Right. He says he's inside the house. And then for some reason, he said it's hot. It's this. It's that. He just walks outside the house to get into his own backyard to get a a breath of fresh air. And that's when he sees the object coming over. Oh, my God. That's totally different. I mean, I have the actual actual recording from from his interview. Right. But wait. He says this to us, and he tells this to both to James Fox and to me. And he says it on television, and it is live. Wow. So that was the story. And so then... But what show is this? Is this... This is UFO Hunters. This is the Phoenix Lights episode, and it's probably 2009. 2008, 2000, and probably... Um, probably early 2009 and that's the story he tells and then at the end of the interview and this is what blows my mind rich at the end of the interview he then and after profusely apologizing for his press conference we Mm -hmm. are in that press conference yeah then says at the end of it and then i got a pardon a mark rich pardon from bill clinton why would you brag about that right. at the end of an interview about, Guil- about a number of things? Here's a number of things. Yes, One, Nancy. He Thank lies. He, he's telling us that he, uh, 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 that he did that press conference to lighten things up. That's his right. quote. To I think he was told to. Right. And then says, but. I realize how wrong that was, and I apologize. But he's in court, according to Francis Barwood. Beam me up, Barwood. According to Francis Barwood, he's in court that morning in judges' chambers. Goes out, does the press conference, takes the flak, waits. Years later, actually 10 years later, begins talking about the uh, uh, the Night of the Phoenix Lights, comes on our show on live television and says – I saw the lights. I am sorry. I apologize. Yeah, Perhaps he signed a 10, 10, 10 where you're not supposed to release information for at least 10 years. Or he just felt guilty about what he did and wanted to feel like if I tell these people I saw it, you know, then they'll understand why I had to do that prank on. on TV. Why is it called a but 10, it gets 10, 10. worse. That's because good. you can get 10 years in prison, $10,000 fine, yes. and... What is the other 10, Bill? Do you have you to wait, wait 10 years, right? 10 Hail Marys. 
no, no, it's, yeah. It's ten, no, it, it's you, you have to wait 10, ten years. You have to wait ten years to. Uh, it has to be quiet for ten years. Is that what you're thinking? Is the third one? Or ten years in prison? Well, twenty five years, years in the National Security Act. These but, were the old, old ones. It's much, much yeah. more money now. Well, twenty five <laughs> years. It's twenty five years now. But the deal is that he then says, "You ready?" So this gets yeah. worse. He calls Luke Air Force Base. He is the commander in chief of the Arizona National Guard, is he not? He's the governor. Right. That's his army. So he calls up uh, Luke Air Force Base and asks the commandant of Luke. He asks the on-duty officer, first of all, um, how many flights do you have in the air tonight? And the um, officer on duty says, we don't have any, sir. And the commander, uh, the commandant of Luke Air Force Base confirms that. Then we find out that that's what he tells us. Then he finds out that, in fact, there were F-15s that were flying that night from the Arizona National Guard. That's the explanation of the 1030 lights. Three months later. Then we find out, then we find out that, in fact, there were F-15s, a sortie, uh, uh, I think a flight of two F-15s um, scrambled for the 830 lights, and they take, because the F-15 is heavily equipped with photographic equipment, mm. they take detailed videos of these craft. They land, and one of the air maintenance crew members says he, he offloaded the videotapes, didn't pack them up, and handed them to somebody, and that's the last he saw of them. But he says he did transfer those videotapes from the F-15 that was scrambled that night to chase the 830 lights as they yeah. flew southwest toward Mexico. One and of the I pilots did, did hear there were some uh, yeah. radar images too. I don't know what happened yeah. to those, but it was leaked that there were some uh, radar images. Yeah, one of the pilots who was involved with that said he was shaken. He was scared of how large this craft was. And he knew it was not from this earth. Um, right. So it's amazing. But I think what Fife did when he got on your show was a year after the fact that he realized he, he said he was at the park after hearing it on TV. He had to change his story and move it back an hour. Um, well, either. The, OK, so was he lying then or was, was he lying now? I mean, that's really the story. He's always lying. He told well, he seemed stories. to be under duress yeah. when he did the press conference. I, I looked at his face. He seemed nervous. He almost seemed like he was embarrassed. And when he when he laughed, there was just like I could tell that he seemed like he was under stress. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Sebastian in the chat room. Here says he's a disinformed. I think they put him. They told him this is yep. too big of exciting. Too many people have saw it. You need to play it down and make people think it's ridiculous. Right. It takes a lot of yep. foresight to go what find chat room are you a in, video. I mean, a uniform to dress up like an alien. You know. Yeah, well, the other thing, too, is... I don't see the is, disinfo thing, but um, there's been a couple of interesting comments in the chat, so I want to bring those in go later. Go, no, you go ahead. No, uh, what I'm saying is that the that the whole issue with Fife Symington was that, that it was set up for us by Francis Barwood. And Francis Barwood, if there was ever a victim of the Phoenix Lights, it was Francis Barwood. Yeah. I mean, here's a, here's a person who does, never says the words UFO. She never says it's a flying saucer. She mm-hmm. simply walks into a city council meeting and says, 
wait a minute. Sky Harbor Airport is restricted airspace. Why is something flying or was something flying over Sky Harbor Airport? You're the mayor. Figure it out. Let's let's investigate this thing. Then she finds out in the next couple of days, her name is now Beam Me Up Barwood. Mm-hmm. They're making fun of her all over the place. And then the she suddenly, she suddenly di- died. Right? And she doesn't get reelected. And she dies pretty quickly. And she dies. And I was talking at one of the UFO conferences to a friend of hers, um, a very close friend of hers, a lady who was sort of her publicity person or some such. She worked for her. And people thought she had been injected with some kind of fast-growing cancer. Wait, you think Frances Barwood is dead? Well, we interviewed her wait, in Wait, wait, okay. There is a lady who died in that era who was also a politician. And if Frances Barwood is alive, and I don't want to do the Mandela effect, but if Frances yeah. Barwood is alive, then it's someone else whose name is... Familiar enough to the UFO community that she she died, and she, there was there were two ladies involved actually. Damn it, CERN! Yeah, why? <laughs> yeah, well, changing history again on us. Jeez, you think CERN's yeah. doing that? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's yeah. CERN. I'm well, convinced. the sightings of this this magnitude really uh, alarms people, and there were just so many people that saw that. And, and why do you think they did? Why do you think Phoenix was chosen as a flyover of whatever? Does anybody two, two wonder possibilities. about it? I can Number tell one, you. the craft was there without permission. They knew about it, but there was that you know it was too big; they couldn't make it go. Um, and the other option would be that it was one of our craft uh, doing something and maybe they had uh, some trouble with their craft or something but i'm leaning toward towards it was there without permission and what makes me think that is going back to my co-host who's writing a book when he saw his sighting in yakima in 1984 i believe this craft in are less than 50 feet away from the building Almost immediately after um, it sat there, it wasn't long before he saw two F-16s coming from the um, the air base. And what they did is they flew down in a hostile action. They just um, dived down and swooped within uh, maybe a couple of hundred feet of it, like really fast. Went up. They did that over and over. He said the craft didn't seem intimidated. It didn't leave. It just sat there. It actually stayed there for 45 minutes, which is really the longest that you ever see a sighting. But um, and nobody approached it. No one approached it. Um, Derek later contacted people at the hospital, and one of his relatives said, "Yes, there was something that went on, but they told us not to talk about it." Mm-hmm. Um, that was the reason. You know, just like myself, seeing that UFO at 12, Derek said, I knew then nobody could ever tell me that they weren't real. I mean, he was, he could see it just as plain as day. And when he started that IRC chat, um, well, you know, nothing is secret on the net. Nothing. The and military, it's, it's Derek who started the IRC? He started a UFO chat. No, no, chat I, I understand what you're, but it's, but is, is the IRC chat room still alive and well as we speak? They, they still have them, 
but that one, you know, because this was very, uh, you would look at it and think, oh my gosh, that's like caveman times. All no, no, it was, no. Um, we, it was uh, we just used lines it. of type, you know, with names and stuff. Oh, it sure. Yeah, it's, it's guys, a regular chat. Guys, if you ever uh, listen to any, uh, if you ever go on Belgab or listen to any of the Belgab type shows, like there's really cool shows that the different members create. And they always use IRC chat. And you um, you always sign in and use your name from your uh, the name you use on Belgap. So everybody knows who you are and we talk. And then sometimes it's overrun by trolls. And yes. the interesting thing is, and this kind of brings up how I wanted to bring this topic up. We, we're living in a political moment that is really spe- spectacular when you think about it. It's pretty cool. And... We, all of us talking, including poor Rich, who got bounced off. He wants to come back on. <laughs> well, uh, oh, Rich, come back on because oh, I do yeah. want to ask you okay, a question. Okay, but wait, but, but all of us. Can uh, you hear me? We, yes. 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 Okay. Do you, so should I finish this or do you want to skip on? Well, I want to finish, finish it up. Finish it up. No, finish it up, but I want to ask Rich a question. So okay. Finish well, up and... yeah. So I, I'm just kind of talking about the fact that all of us on this show are very familiar with the UFO field and how to find information. You know, how to check if it's from a, a, a bad YouTube. There's a bad YouTube channel that Angel always mentions called Third Phase of Moon. And that's like not to be trusted. And Ooh, the word gets out and so forth and so on. But but as you know, the most disreputable people in the UFO field still can pack an audience. They can still sell their products. Um and and that's the UFO field, which is completely- actually sadly enough, the, the the more hokey and fake you are in UFO, yes. in the UFO community, the more popular you become. Yes, yes because you, you have because little- you have no doubt about what you're doing. You're conning people, no doubt at right, all. Right, right. People like that. They like somebody like oh, I won't name names, but anyway. But where I wanted Billy to Myers. go with this is, well, here, here's the thing. You're kind of you know we're in the worst community on the planet. We're in the most despised media. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I think ISIS is a lot worse than the UFO no, community. No, no, no. <laughs> ISIS, you can talk about ISIS. It, 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 you can go on a mainstream talk show and talk about ISIS. But they actually cannot- kill people. <laughs> yes, they do, but you, but you don't go on a mainstream talk show and announce that you're like a UFO enthusiast. That's what I'm saying. You don't bring up scholar. UFOs as if a... you just say that. But as Deborah has said on many a show, because this is frustrating to all of us, I've never seen anything, but Deborah was saying millions of people see things, and there's tons of stuff now being talked about more and more. If only one person's telling the truth. It, it's world-shaking, but yet we can't bring this up in a, in right, a mixed you can't crowd. in a normal situation. I wanted to ask Rich Giordano. Okay. But I, yeah. Well, okay. go ahead. Finish your point. I wanted, well, I wanted well, to know, yeah. will this ever come into right. the political, will this ever come into the political race as we know it because it is so darn important? And would it tank somebody's campaign if they talked Probably about would. this? Probably would. I mean, can you imagine somebody saying that? But I wanted to ask Rich Giordano one question. Okay. You, um, I, I I heard you mention something about you know why uh, either friend, what were you saying uh, that you know the <coughs> well you know the answer to yeah I I think I have an answer now why the UFO flew over Arizona yeah that was um, it. I don't know if any of you have ever lived here or know the history of our state but uh, the Indian culture it, it was huge and still is. And there is a freeway here called the 51, which runs right down the middle of 
Phoenix, Arizona, right down the center of the state um, from the north to the south. And that's where the UFO flew. Now, that's not the that's not the big thing. The big thing is what's written on the walls of the freeway and is an Indian legend or story that says, welcome, sky people. This is your home. This is where you belong. And that's Mm. written along the 51 in Arizona. And that's where the UFO flew right over. Now, you have to put, you know, put disbelief Mm -hmm. beside and imagine UFOs are a real thing and aliens do exist, which I do. So if that was a real UFO at 815, 830, which it was, um, then they may have followed the signal to come down this way and follow the path of where they were supposed to. And who knows why nothing else has happened that big since then. But I don't know. But that is a good point. I I wonder if that place is related to uh, Area 51 at all because it's 51, 51. Interesting. Well, that's not the extraterrestrial highway, right? No, no. Yeah, the extraterrestrial highway runs outside of Rachel, Nevada. But I wanted. But to that's ask, really interesting. Before you go, can can people view that on the internet? Have you ever seen it filmed? That that the Indian no. Uh, sayings. No, but if you drive along, you can read. If you know how to yeah, read. Well, why Indian don't you take a picture? Why don't you take some pictures? It's and in ideographs, up? right? It's in pictographs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So take some pictures. Get out of your car. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, do that. Okay, but uh, Deborah, I, I wanted to ask you this question. And I lived in L.A., so I know what I'm saying. When, <laughs> when those three cre- creatures entered your house, did they tell you why you? Well, they didn't say they didn't say anything about why me, but they did tell me this. They they told me when I asked them where did they originate from, they told me. They took me somewhere. Uh, that part is blacked out. I don't know. But years later, years later, I was just um, sitting there watching television, and then they said this word. They said Sumer, and then they talked about the Sumerians, and I went, "Oh my God, that's the word." The wow. secret that's word the was word. Sumer. Sumer. Yes, it was Sumer, and I thought, "Oh my God, that is the well, word." Sumer is. Um, is is wonderful because it's the most ancient civilization that yes. we know of. Uh, it talked about the the sons of God coming down to Earth, and then uh, talks about the Nephilim, the Watchers, and uh, about um, the uh, ones coming from Nibiru, and they came down and they taught all different kinds of things to the people. And well, they that's said in your book, Radiance, of, right? Yes, 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 that's what inspired me to to write the book. Yes. So when I researched this, it said basically what they felt like is they had extraterrestrial visitors, and being the oldest civilization, that is where they came. And if you will look up all of the hieroglyphs and artwork uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Sumer, you will see some of the best depictions of UFO craft you have ever seen. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I had no idea. I didn't even know there was a place named Sumer. But after after I experienced all that, I guess it's probably six or seven years later, and I have five sisters. And she said, Debbie, I heard your story on the radio about seeing the white light. She said, I never told you. She said, do you remember those times I screamed at night because somebody was trying to get in my window? She mm-hmm. said, I saw a white light, too, and she said, it's weird. I levitated. Mm. So I went, oh, my God. Yeah, you know, this follows families. And when I got that mm-hmm. confirmation, I thought, yeah, that's, like, so true. But three months after I had that experience, I had a miscarriage. 
and um, I wasn't planning on. Or, getting or did you? Have you well, ever heard? Yeah, was it a normal kind of normal quote unquote miscarriage? Well, um, I had two positive pregnancy tests, and uh, then I started hemorrhaging, uh, and I went to the hospital. And uh, the doctor came in. He said, uh, we have to do a DNC on you, he said, because you're hemorrhaging uh, very badly. And then when I was getting ready to go home, he said, are you sure you were pregnant? He mm-hmm. said, I couldn't find any proof that you were really pregnant. She, he said, there was just, he said nothing. He said, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what an odd statement for him. What year, what, year, what year was that? That was when I was, let's see, I was around 25. That was like, uh, let's see, about 77, 1977. Because UFO Magazine, when it was first started in the early days, it was actually doing stories about the missing fetus syndrome. And there was a doctor who had a lot of uh, women come to him and so forth. And I can find all that for you, but that's even before that, because well, this was the late 80s that UFO 80, started. 88, right. yeah. What was um, now around the time of this uh, pregnancy and miscarriage, um, had you had any experiences with visitations? Not that I recalled. Not that I recalled. I had never had uh, any other experience, but... Now, my younger sister that was younger than me, I know three different occasions where in the middle of the night she was screaming. She said, quote, they're coming to get me, quote, they're coming through the window. And then the other time she screamed and screamed and she said, she said, I saw their shadow. I knew they were coming. Now, she was, I think the last one during childhood was when she was 12. And, you know, back in those days, you just think, well, they're having a bad dream or, you know, mom says, well, you're not going to watch Star Trek anymore. <laughs> you know, right. you're not going to watch any of this stuff. But my sister told me, she said, I didn't know what those feelings were that come over me. She said, I would wake up suddenly just like something had happened, but I didn't know what it was. And she said, I was frightened and I could see an image of something, but I couldn't see it clearly. So all of these things that happen to you during your childhood, they happen over long periods of time. So it's not exactly like you can put it together mm-hmm. and say, well, oh, you know, that's what it was. I was abducted. They are so good at what they do. Has your has your younger sister ever had the same kind of pregnancy issues and miscarriages that you have had? Uh, I have one sister that had a miscarriage, but... The interesting thing is I have a son that um, I would find him walking around, walking around at night, and he looked like he was conscious. He had his eyes open, but he was like in a trance, almost like he was hypnotized. No, oh, that's Not scary. Once, but several times. Yeah, that's also, really scary. That, that is also, just terrifying. Yeah, he exhibited um, – I guess you would call it psychic abilities. Um, he, when does, he, he, does he still have them? Um, well, I haven't asked him lately, noticed anything, but the two things he pointed out to me is um, he had a friend that was sick, and he'd been sick for weeks, and he looked at me and he said, Mom, he said, Cameron is going to die on Thursday. 
And he said, I want to go see him before he dies. And I thought, well, you know, that's very sweet. So I took Stephen to see him. Well, guess what? Cameron died on Thursday. And then the other thing he knew was from a paranormal experience I had that he had no way that he could possibly know. Uh, I was very depressed one time, very depressed. I went through a horrible divorce and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I wasn't suicidal, but I thought, man, I should just drive off a cliff. This is just too much. I can't handle it. I was Mm -hmm. under a lot of different stress from my job and from uh, losing my partner of 18 years and everything. And so I, I really thought, man, I should just drive off a cliff. Well, I took my children over to my daughter's house. And when I got out of the car, something told me. To reach down into the grass. Now I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see anything. But I put my hand down in the grass and I pulled out this heart shaped stone. It was like white quartz and it had a little crack on it. And I looked at it and it was irregular shape, but I could still see that it was a heart. And I heard like a voice uh, speak to me and say, even though your heart is broken, it is still a heart and you can still love again. Mm. It scared me to death. I looked around and I thought, where did that voice come from? And um, anyway, what happened was I thought, wow, that's right. You know, this is right. And I thought, what just happened? I, I didn't know. I didn't tell anyone. So the next morning on the way to school, uh, I was sitting there thinking about it. I was driving Stephen. And I said, Stephen, i got to tell you something. He said, it's about finding the heart-shaped stone, wasn't it, Mom? Wow. And I said, how did you know that? And he said, I just do. Well, that night, he had been walking around in that sleep trance. Mm. So that makes me think that there's a possibility that my son is going through this. I have a set of twin grandchildren, and one of the twins does the same thing. She walks around Mm. in a trance, doesn't know where she's at. So these things really do follow family. How old is the twin that does it? Uh, she's seven years old, and she also has exhibited um, psychic abilities like when they were four years old. Now, uh, they came outside. They looked at my daughter, and Carly says, today is Clint Eastwood's birthday. And they loved Clint Eastwood, two mules for Sister Sarah. <laughs> they watched right, it right, all right, the time. Right, right. And, and so Misty thought, well, why would they say that? You know, she never let them watch, like, um, anything but movies that she had picked out and stuff. So she looked it up, and sure enough, it actually was his birthday. Then about, let's see, when they were, I guess they were probably, she was only about two. When I was babysitting her, and we were sitting there. And um, I came over while they were asleep, and when they woke up, I was there. And so it had been about an hour, and Carly looked at me, up at me, and she said, Grandma, uh, uh, Mommy and Daddy are going to be here in 15 minutes. They went to the grocery store. And she said, they're going to drive up any time. A few minutes later, they drove up in the driveway. So these things about people having uh, extra psychic abilities it's very it's very true i found you know out what be fun to own, do? what yeah i'm sorry go ahead oh no I, I found out that these things happen in such subtle ways we don't realize what it is you know but that's definitely a prediction of something that hasn't happened yet well one thing 
one thing you can do probably surreptitiously is that there are you can send away your DNA, your samples of DNA to and it'd be fun to see, in, interesting to see with all of the ch- children and grandchildren who have that, uh, I'm calling it a sleep disorder, um, how close they match on a DNA level. Like, is there one, two, or three, or a set of genes, a constellation of genes that are unique to that bloodline? We that, have to, yeah, we have to, we have to wrap up. And so, Deborah, um, you have a book called Radiance, and folks can link, it's all linked up on the site. Um, and your, your show on PSN is on, which I should start listening to. It's, I've it's been, on Thursday, it's on Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Yeah. Eastern. And okay. I have a book that will be coming out soon called uh, Synchronicity about uh, my UFO story and my parents. They had a, a huge incident with the 1987 uh, Withful event. They had landing marks in their backyard. Yeah. Um, so a lot of interesting stuff, and that will be out in a couple of months. But okay, great, good. Well, uh, and, uh, I'm so and glad so, to meet another woman radio host, Nancy. <laughs> that's for sure. And before you go, let me try to squeeze this question in because it's going to drive me crazy otherwise. You had a near-death experience, and you asked to come back for a bit more time. You needed to have a bit more time. Do you feel mentally that the that the first book was it, or do you feel like there's still something else? Well, I actually am doing that other thing right now in working with Derek Tyler on getting his book out because when he tried to publish it in in the 90s, late 90s, they actually found out about it and they came to his door, oh, the quote, wow. Men in Black, and said, if you publish your book, we will make you disappear. Well, if he wants to publish his book, let him contact But wait, you also, don't you feel guys. the urge to drag this project out like forever because you don't want to, you know, be finished? Well, no, because I've recently found out something. You, this will blow your mind. Uh, everybody knows about Admiral Byrd, right? Right. I recently, through one of my researcher friends, she obtained a large amount of his photographs from his estate. Wow. I will just give you this teaser. Wow. He captured images of UFOs, and he also had a picture of the recently discovered pyramid back when he went through the project that he worked under. Yeah, but so, what about the what about you mean the, the whole, South Pole? What about the yes. hole the hole inside the the whole thing? At the South Pole. The hollow earth. I don't I don't know about that, but I do know this. I have I have images of one of the underground facilities. I have an image of the doorway. Do you have copies I, of these in lots of places? Uh yes I do. Yes, okay. I do. And wow. I was really shocked to see that they recently just said that there is a pyramid in, in Antarctica, but he knew about this when he went. He had those images, and how they haven't got out, I don't know, but we have copies of them. And well, we, have the to, we have to talk, because we've done a book uh, on Admiral You guys Earth. really should. You should have um, Dennis Crenshaw on. He's the Hollow Earth Insider. You go to the website, Hollow Earth Insider is his website. Uh, he's written a book about, you know, about the uh, flying ships of the 1800s and He's yeah, uh, yeah. Very you know what? I, I, I never Admiral can. It, yeah, he needs to be marketed a little better. Separate fact from fiction. I keep thinking. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. I have a cloudy image of him that it's all fiction, but it's not. 
I no, think no, he's no, got no. some. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Dennis Crenshaw. The flying ships of the Have we, has with these images, with these images that Bird yep. got, you will understand what he wrote in his diary and how he said he had to keep his promise, and you will see why he was so disappointed that he had to keep such a huge, huge secret. Well, they said they would. Well, they they left him alive when they killed the other people. But Deborah, Deborah, when are you publishing this, or how are you publishing it? When we are currently we are currently working on this. Uh, we have over two thousand images uh, to look at, which is quite a bit. Uh, we are trying to identify some of the people that were with him in photographs. That this was back in the forties. Some of them are movie stars. Some of them are. Strange characters, and I have no idea who they are, so we're trying to identify people in the photographs and uh, working from that aspect. But we have only got one-third of the way through it. But I tell you what, when I saw this and I found out uh, that uh, all that information has been sitting for years and that's what they made him keep secret, mm. I thought this is only the tip of the iceberg, mm, only the wow. tip. Wow. I love I love this work. I tell you, it's never a boring day. Wow, that's true. It's well, never we must a boring keep in day touch. We must keep in touch. Hunting UFOs. Okay, so it is the midnight hour, and I want to thank our guest, uh, Deborah Jane West, uh, East, not West, East. <laughs> <laughs> to thank uh, you, guys. She would have married Kanye West. Would, would have been big. Yeah. If she would have married Kanye West, would have been. She's Deborah never Jane married East Kanye. West. And please join us. <laughs> She's much smarter than that. True. No, no, I'm don't so marry. I'm so proud to be on the network. Kanye. With both of you guys, because you're East to West. I mean, really. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We have a great network. We do. We do. And you'd be a fool not to. But I've been personally, I've been on a vacation from all shows. I needed a break. And that's why. And I apologize when I'm back. I'm going to be back more thoughtful. Hey, Nancy, I've got some great people to recommend to you. Great. Well, Well, Nancy, that's for sure. Write to me in Skype. It's fastest. I sure will. And thank you so much. And Bill. We need to get your show back. Yes, yes, we do. Thank you, Angel. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Please come back next week. We are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy, on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network. Until next week. Good night. Good night. Have a wonderful Thanks week. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you.